0: That All five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Get away from her, you bitch!
1: I'm Batman. No. Oh, do not. There is no tomorrow. Okay, welcome everybody to the second ever podcast episode for Nerdfest. It's that difficult second album time, but we're going to make it a good one, hopefully. Hopefully you enjoyed the first one. Um, It's a very, very warm welcome to Mr Ian Mayer. He made it out of 1885.
2: Hello. Hi. Uh, How are you doing? Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) Getting back was a bitch,
3: but I managed it, so there we go.
1: Good. Um, And yes, Mr Ian McLaughlin, there must be some kind of rule, we can't have two Ians in the same room at the same time. It's like
3: crossing the beams. Yes, yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, He can't be here because he is in a pantomime, the uh, suggestibles pantomime.
3: Oh no he isn't. (laughs) Only me then. Mm.
4: He's actually behind (laughs) us right now.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, we've got a, a packed episode for you today. So we have got, well, actually, whilst we're talking to you now, we haven't seen The Last Jedi, but at certain points we will have seen The Last Jedi because I'm going to edit it in afterwards. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're um, we're off to the midnight screening on the 13th stroke 14th, whatever, we haven't quite decided yet which which day <laughs> it actually is. Um, and we're going to take our recording device to the cinema. As you know, that's the kind of thing that gets you arrested. We're going to take our recording device to the pub and then uh, afterwards, you know, at 3 a.m., give you our initial v- reviews of The Last Jedi. We're also um, going to be chatting about two new trailers that landed in the last couple of weeks Jurassic World 2, The Fallen Kingdom, and also Infinity War, The Avengers. And at the end, we have got a brand new feature which we're going to test out called Film Buff or Film Bluff and all will become very clear later on. Um, But first to kick things off, um, has anyone seen anything recently that they would like to recommend to the world of nerds?
4: Uh, My nerd recommendation is in fact an audiobook. Uh, I've been listening to Norse by Neil Gaiman and Neil Gaiman has taken lots of the famous stories from Norse mythology, tales of Thor and Loki and Odin and all the rest of them, and adapted them. He reads the audiobook himself so you're getting the author and the way he tells the stories and the way he's modernized them from ancient Norse writings is very very good indeed. He's gone all the way back to the original sources rather than previous translations so you get a nice little new twist on all of these famous fables so if you didn't get enough Thor from Ragnarok head (laughs) to Norse by Neil Gaiman, listen to the book read it if you want to do it on paper and you'll get dozens of great tales you can then tell around your Norwegian campfires <laughs> or in your golden halls uh,
3: th- this week I've been I've been watching dirk gently which has just started its second series on Netflix um, I love the first uh, it was it's a really weird show um, it doesn't even attempt to adapt Douglas Adams books I don't think um, so it starts with lots of apparently unconnected events and strange happenings, and then over time you realise how all those things are connected. Um, but it's a really enjoyable journey, um, and it's, the, it's Max Landis writes it, who's I believe John Landis' son, so there's good sort of nerd heritage there, uh, but I think it's really good, it's really strange, it's, um, if say Legion was a bit too weird for you, it's like Legion light. <laughs>
1: Um, It it actually takes a lot for me to get into a new TV series. Um, I tend to, when I do have the time to watch TV, I tend to default back to The West Wing, which is the greatest TV show of all time. But uh, yeah, I recently got into on Netflix, uh, The Good Place, um, which stars uh, Kirsten Bell and Ted Danson. And it is set in the afterlife. Um, and all, all is not what it seems. And it, it's a comedy. It's made by uh, the same creators from Parks and Recreation. Uh, Mike Sure, I think his name is. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I think the funniest, Things about it are actually the point system. So basically, everybody on Earth um, accumulates points depending on how good or bad they've been. So, if you um, commit genocide, I think that's something like four million minus points. If you cure the world of slavery that was eight million um but there's some very funny ones so there's um if you fail to disclose a camel illness while selling a camel that's minus 22 that's something like that <laughs> it's very very funny um and the fact that the characters uh can't swear in a good place so there's constantly you know holy shirt balls or forking hell, forking hell. um which uh, is a, it's a recurring joke, but uh, it never gets old. Just like, you know, Hello Darling in Blackadder. It's, it's, it never gets old. So yeah, it's very funny, um, very imaginative, very unexpected. Um, Yeah, give it a go.
4: Recording a podcast plus 100 points.
1: Sure. Yeah, (laughs) good.
0: Well, I've seen two things this week. Um, I've seen the disaster artists, which I saw last night, which I think we might talk about in another podcast. So I'll keep that very brief, but it's very good. Highly recommended, the only thing is I'm not sure how well it will play for people that aren't familiar with the room, so it's going to be interesting to see how that works with a mainstream audience. The other thing that I really enjoyed this week is Colossal, which is a very low-budget kind of monster movie starring Anne Hathaway as a alcoholic who goes back to her small town where she grew up to work through some issues she has and at the same time, a giant monster is destroying South Korea and the two things are somehow related and I don't really want to talk about it anymore because it's, um, it's without spoiling it, but it's a film that's really nicely done, very low key but full of some nice little twists and surprises. Um, not just the one twist that you'll probably get from the trailer but there's another twist a bit further through. It's I say, it's a great, film. great it's little not, film. It's
3: not just for fans of monster movies. Not though. at all, no. Because that's not the main thing mm-hmm. of the movie.
2: Fans of monster movies and alcoholism could
3: probably (laughs) get a lot from it.
2: Yes.
0: Fans of heavy-handed metaphors may enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Just last night, I started watching Mars on Netflix, which is a fictionalised account of humans' first colonisation of Mars in um, 2033, I think they said it, intercut with interviews with real scientists and engineers now on how it could be possible. So uh, Elon Musk's face is all over it and SpaceX and things. I don't know if I'd recommend it, but the science is really, really interesting. If you like seeing uh, rockets explode on launch pads and uh, various tests of like landing equipment and stuff, it is certainly worth worth a look. The drama of it, I'm not sure about yet. Uh, it's gonna be an interesting one to see how it plays out. But yeah, it's... Um, It pushes a lot of sort of rocket geeky buttons for me, so uh, I'll stick with it.
1: Okay, now heading into our our first feature. So, um, yeah, a couple of really interesting uh, trailers landed in the last couple of weeks uh, for films that uh, we are greatly anticipating in 2018. First, let's uh, just listen to a quick clip from uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom.
0: So, uh, what are you dating like? An accountant now? Owen. Ventriloquist? Stop it. You love a dummy.
1: This is not why we're here. You can blame me. Try to shame me. I know why we're here.
0: A rescue op. Save the dinosaurs from the island that's about to
1: explode.
0: What could go wrong?
1: Okay, so when we uh, discussed this on our Nerdfest Messenger thread, someone to my left had some interesting views. Hello. Hello, Daniel. Hello.
4: (laughs) Yeah, Um, I am a massive Jurassic Park nerd. The first Jurassic Park I saw at a formative stage in my life and is still one of my top three favourite films of all the films. I loved The Lost World when it came out in 97. Fell out of love with it a little bit, and now I love it again. I've got a soft spot for Jurassic Park 3, and can remember my friends and I in free lessons from school, going to the school computers and walking around the island on the Jurassic Park 3 website, which took all of the computing power the entire school had to run this minimal flash player simulation, but was great and really hyped you up for the film. Uh, spent my teenage years playing Jurassic Park Operation Genesis on the PS2, which is the best of the theme park type games because it had raptors in it who would break out of their enclosures and eat your visitors. And I got really, really hyped for Jurassic World a couple of years ago. I, As soon as I saw the first trailer for it, I thought, yes, excellent. The park is open. Give me this. I want to see what happens when you can actually go and visit the dinosaur park. Really liked the film when it came out. It hasn't stayed with me like the other three, but I would probably still liked it if I watched it again. So I'm coming from a pedigree of 20 years of love for Jurassic Park, and I did not like this trailer.
0: And you like The Lost World, so your standards are <laughs> Yeah, I,
4: I will take anything with dinosaurs in it, but this just did not grab me
0: at all. So why not? What were your, what were your issues with it? Um, it seemed a little bit
4: seen it all before, but let's blow everything up at the same time, Mm. I think would sum it up. There was a lot of touchstones in there that I think are fine if you're rebuilding a franchise for your first one back, like Jurassic World, like The Force Awakens did with Star Wars, but to still be playing off the, oh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard broke up, but they might get back Mm. together again, which seemed to be playing with their characters in the trailer to have oh no, all the dinosaurs are going to die, we'll have to take them out and put them in the city again, but hide behind logs while they're stampeding at us. Lots of little things that I know are callbacks to the earlier films, but we kind of got that in Jurassic World. I was a little bit placated to Mm. see some comments from J.A. Bayona, the director, who explained that everything you see in the trailer is from the first half of the film, and the second half of the film goes off in an unexpected direction that he doesn't want to reveal in the trailers. So that's quite nice, Mm. but at the same time it looks like the plot is they're going back to the island to save all the dinosaurs from a volcano that is active on the island where they'd recently spent billions making a tourist attraction, which is odd, but then they don't save the dinosaurs from the volcano because we see them all die in the trailer, (laughs) which seems a bit of a downer to me.
1: Yeah, and. you mentioned the uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character. Um, she was the one who vastly underestimated just how powerful dinosaurs are and the ability that they have to eat all humans. And that now she seems to be leading the dinosaur protection brigade. You know, uh, um, well, something obviously must have happened to make her go back to that island, but it just seems to me to be a little bit odd. That she would be yeah. getting involved. I
3: quite like the idea that they're trying to save something that's actually trying to kill them at the same time. That yes. That's quite interesting.
4: Yeah, which probably is quite nice from a conservation point of view because I guess that's what people do with jaguars and snow leopards and polar bears and things like yeah. that that will eat you given the opportunity.
0: But we've established they can just make more dinosaurs.
4: This is true. Uh, Jeff Goldblum in the trailer says they were here before us and if we're not careful, they'll be here after us. Which seems to me a bit like Colin Trevorrow trying to make another cool Ian Malcolm line, like Mm. uh, you do plan to have dinosaurs in your dinosaur park or life uh, finds a way. But it doesn't quite work because these dinosaurs weren't there before us because we saw them making them in Jurassic World. And they won't be there after us because there's a massive volcano that's killing them all. (laughs) So it didn't quite ring true with me there either yeah. and but still jeff goldblum yeah if you're going to have jeff, me, goldblum, jeff goldblum put jeff goldblum in your jeff goldblum movie don't just put him in a courtroom scene and hope that an extended cameo will do the job
0: i think we're going to get i think there's going to be minimal jeff goldblum unfortunately mm. yeah
1: especially because um, his role in the courtroom scene could easily have been done by sam neil's character jeff goldblum does not know a lot about dinosaurs <laughs> no just...
4: and Most of what he learned about dinosaurs was on site B rather than the original island because he was lying shirtless in John Hammond's office for most of the first film. Mm. Um, I have to say I was more excited by glimpsing Ian Malcolm on the back of a hardback book in the control room of Jurassic World. Than I was seeing him in this trailer, which is really sad. Because... Do you think
2: the mystery second half of this film will be largely Goldblum based? So sort a of rampaging Goldblum.
4: <laughs> I hope so.
0: I mm-hmm. I've heard he's North not really
1: Angeles. in it much, unfortunately. But, uh... Jurassic World, Fallen Goldblum.
0: <laughs> Unless it was like a double bluff, there was some discussion, there was an interview with him months and months ago which says, I'm not sure if I'm in it or not, which suggests <laughs> that his role wasn't that pivotal. Mm. Or his memory's terrible. Oh, his memory's terrible, Sometimes yes. It, or he's a pathological liar. Yeah. Potentially. Now, I believe a few of the
4: nerds here saw Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day Resurgence yes, a year or two did. ago. How much Goldblum was there in that?
0: I blocked the entire film. Yeah. yeah. I genuinely, yeah. I, I'm not being flippant here. If you said mm-hmm. to me, was Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day Resurgence, I wouldn't be able to... Yeah,
1: it's... To... Somewhere between 25 and 75%. I, I can't <laughs> is is that on remember. a scale of one to Goldblum?
3: One to Goldblum?
0: <laughs> so
2: that's uh, a
1: percentage of percentage the amount of, of Goldblum. Goldblum. Right. Yeah, okay. now he's in it a lot. I thought, no, I blocked it. It's weird. I remember
0: Bill Pullman playing the crazy guy, because they obviously didn't want Randy Quaid back for reasons, um, <laughs> and I remember Will Smith being too expensive, so they got somebody who looked a bit like Will Smith playing his son. Yeah. Um, he could have made one well, that people went to see though. That would be a. That's true. Mm. <laughs> there Wilsmith. are a number
2: of geek properties which either no one sees or people block out of their minds <laughs> yeah. quite effectively. Mm. What we do you must think? This.
1: What do you think to uh, John Hammond's massive oversight of building a park on a volcano island?
4: John Hammond would just block up the volcano. He would spare no expense.
1: Mm. Well, yeah. I I
4: am confident that as an attenborough he would have sorted out the volcano <laughs> um, he would have just poured molten amber down it and it would have all sealed off and everything would be fine but i do know that james cromwell aka mm. farmer hoggett from babe is and the playing Adventure of the warp drive that as well in star trek uh, i star trek is mm, not yes. my forte sadly <laughs> uh, very good in the artist not the disaster artist but just the artist um, mm-hmm. la confidential mm. all sorts yeah. of films james cromwell he is playing an associate of John Hammond in Fallen Kingdom, so maybe this will be addressed. Mm. Maybe he will have a scene saying, I told John there was a massive volcano on this island, but he wouldn't listen. <laughs> he bought it, and he couldn't get a refund.
0: Well, we build big building projects on top of places where they have earthquakes every ten years, and you just go, oh, that'll be fine, sir. So. Mm. yeah,
4: Like the city that they put a T-Rex in, in The Lost World, which I'm quite confident will probably happen again in the second half mm. of this film. I think. We saw a T-Rex tranquilized in an enclosure cage type thing in the trailer.
0: I know this is a, a question people have asked before, but as somebody who is a fan of the Lost World, how did the boat get into San Francisco Bay after the T-Rex had eaten the entire crew?
4: You can ask the same question if you read Dracula. All of the people on board the ship that takes him to Whitby are mysteriously dead by the time it pulls oh, into the harbour. Yeah. In Dracula Nordshire.
0: could pop out, couldn't he? Just... And Wait till night yeah. to put it on course. So do, do a stint on he's the He's from yeah. Romania,
4: it's not a coastal country. Where would he get the nautical experience? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um, it is a problem with the Lost World, I will <laughs> grant you, but I am willing to forgive it.
2: So we're saying the T-Rex is Dracula?
4: Yes. Right, okay, yes. got it. Um, <laughs> that, that explains We know so Dracula much. can transform into a large dog. We do. We know from films he can turn into bats. Who yeah. is to say Dracula cannot turn into a T-Rex? Apart standing. from all of the people Long, looking laundry. at me like I'm a crazy <laughs> right now,
2: is it? Wasn't that the plot of Jurassic of, of Jurassic World? Not Jurassic World, Jurassic World.
4: T Rex that could turn into vampires. No,
2: didn't they clone it with a?
0: They had there? an invisible dinosaur. Didn't the they invisible dinosaur. Di- yeah. What? The yeah, the cuttlefish. Camouflage. Cuttlefish.
2: Cut, right. It, it was like a shopping list of bad things to clone dinosaurs with. It was like a cuttlefish, a scorpion, Hitler. It was, it was just this bizarre mix that apparently would make it more attractive to an American audience. I don't know. It yeah. was, uh, yeah.
4: This is one of the things that makes me not want to go back and watch Jurassic World again, because there are all of these things that you think, okay, when you're watching it, and then you yeah. come out and you think about it and go away hang on. Like a really cool moment where... The Indominus Rex, that's the one. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, uh, the raptors go chasing after it, and she finds the raptors, and it turns out that, oh no, they've put some raptor DNA in there yeah. as well. And all of the raptors accept her as their alpha and turn on the humans, and then promptly forget about
0: it all. Did a scientist just drop a shitload of dinosaur I, DNA on the floor? Just mop it up? <laughs> stick it that'll, that'll do. Put it all in one ch- test tube, nobody will notice.
2: I like to think there's Basically. two rival pitches.
0: So what's going to be a big, a big attraction for year mm-hmm.
2: two? Well, I, I say we go cuter dinosaurs, <laughs> no bigger eyes, no claws. And someone else went, no, no, cuttlefish, scorpions, Hitler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll
3: create the worst dinosaur there's ever been. It's that, that, yes. cool. like, yes. There's a list in Cavern in the Woods. Has anyone seen Where The list of all the sort of things that they might have happened, you know, it's like zombies, ghosts, werewolves, it just gets on ridiculous things and there's so many callbacks to some famous horror films right. and things, it's great. Creating
4: a nice little nerd link because one of the stars of Cabin in the Woods is Bradley Whitford, mm, aka Josh, Josh Lyman, Lyman from the West mm. Wing, one of the stars of the Lost World Jurassic Park, Richard Schiff, aka Toby Ziegler, on the West Wing, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. all a plan by John Goodman's character in the West it's Wing the to speaker. get back into the Oval Office. <laughs>
1: Dan, you're good.
4: I know. I've <laughs> solved the second half
0: of. Is Falling it possible Kingdom. that yeah. Donald Trump is created from some bad dinosaur DNA?
1: <laughs> I don't think anyone can base Donald Trump on anything. He's just yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but possibly.
0: Yeah,
4: when when you look mm-hmm. at Jurassic Park films from a purely logical point of view, none of them really mm. make any sense. Because if you can engineer the dinosaurs, why don't you just make them to not want to kill mm. things?
0: Mm.
4: But if you you have to suspend your disbelief to some level. I can do that with all of the others. I just found myself watching this trailer going. I want to be excited for this film, but I'm not quite
0: yet. I saw Jurassic World in the cinema um, and there was just all these logical problems with it and ridiculousness and things that didn't work. But there was, in the row in front of me there was a five year old kid and he was so excited, he was having the absolute time of his life. Mm -hmm. So you kind of overlook those kind of things. Yeah, and
4: I think everybody overlooks similar kinds of things in the first Jurassic Park because it is so well done Mm. as a film and it's so well made, well directed, well acted that you don't mind about some of the plot or logic problems and it's the same with a lot of classic nerdy films. Um, Mm. A lot of people found these problems with the Star Wars prequels, but I remember watching prequels in the cinemas being at the teenage age going, there are problems with these films, but there being younger kids in those audiences who were just loving it, and Jar Jar is their favourite character and Mm. we might go, they don't know anything these (laughs) six year old children but characters like that are who those Mm. are intended for So,
2: Six year olds who who are now nearly 30 and probably no better and
4: are still fond of Jar Jar and still have his PEZ dispenser. This sounds like
0: it might be a preemptive justification for Porgs.
4: Porgs are awesome. I'm going on record.
0: (laughs) This is before we have seen the film. I don't know how this is going to be edited, but... Before seeing the film, you're going on record to say, mm. Pogs are awesome.
4: Hashtag Pogs are awesome. Okay.
2: And okay. no one knows the twist. No one sees the twist coming where the Pogs turn cannibalistic and start no. tearing through mm. the crew. No. Super People hit
0: the mm. DNA in the Pogs.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah. And the Indominus Rex was actually part
2: Pog. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It doesn't surprise mm. me at all.
1: Um, so we're going into Jurassic World with a little bit of trepidation, but do you think we may have been spoiled a little bit because obviously the, um, the trailer for Infinity War landed before Jurassic World and common consensus among us nerds was, oh my god, it's awesome. <laughs> I liked
4: that trailer. There was
0: an idea. Evacuate the city. Engage all defenses. And get this man a shield.
2: I I love that trailer. We saw Spider Sense tingling for the first time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is nice. Um, I quite like how Thanos looks, and a lot of people are dissing it. But he's got a kind of
1: purple Bruce Willis, yeah, from Lip- <laughs>
0: Pawn <porn> Stars. <laughs> it's a reference I don't get. I that's <laughs> a reference if you're not a fan of bad daytime TV. He, he
2: looks like he's there to batter people, and I'm yes. fine with that. You know, it's Thanos um, is a bit thinkier in the comics. I think we'll sit perhaps see a bit of that in yeah. uh, in the film. He's quite a, a tactician, but he's definitely there to punch people in the face. Yeah,
4: um, there was. Quite a bit of online comment about his look, but he's a giant purple space alien. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure how else you'd do him, mm-hmm. other he's, than with CG.
2: I think he's going to get some, some boss new strides in that film, <laughs> I think this is one of many looks. He's got a very shiny glove. He, he sure does, he's very happy about that.
3: Given, given how long they've got between now and the movie coming out, they could quite easily re-render it in a totally different way by then. Completely.
2: I mean, I've just reread the Infinity War comics from, like, the 80s, which are nuts. I don't know if anyone here has read uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, um, Infinity War, Infinity Crusade? That may have been a recent one. But um, it's proper deep, nerdy, cosmic Marvel with a 100 characters and bizarre counter-threads going on. It it really is uh, insane to read. And in that, um, in Infinity War, the comic, Thanos gets his costume from a Scarecrow. Now, I don't think they're going to go that route in the film, but it begins. Please check this, please Google it. You will find that he uh, gets out of a spaceship, finds a Scarecrow dressed as he used to, takes the costume from it, and then begins. It's, uh, yeah, it's unusual.
4: Speaking of 100 characters, it did feel, even from the trailer, that that was how many we're going to get in the film as Mm. well. We saw lots of Black Panther, which I approve of. We got Iron Man, Doctor Strange and Wong, and Black Widow, Spider-Man, War Machine, Falcon, Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Vision, looking strangely human, which was interesting. and they still missed a number of characters out. I know, John, you were greatly missing Hawkeye's presence from the uh,
0: trailer. yes,
1: yes. <laughs> uh, well, someone, has, uh, someone in the nerd universe has zoomed in to the, um, the scene with, um, oh God, what's his name, Black Panther, um, where they're all kind of charging down the hill like very Lord of the Rings-esque. And someone has zoomed in on that and realized that Hawkeye's new trendy hairstyle can be seen behind one of the characters. So <laughs> mm-hmm. potentially he is in there.
2: A what? series of new haircuts
3: were revealed in this Trailer,
2: yeah, yes. and, mm-hmm. and
3: beards, and uh, well, obviously, um, Black Widow's different coloured hair, and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that just so they can sell toys specifically for this movie, or is there a good reason? Probably not, considering the head of Marvel didn't want
4: to sell any Black Widow toys at all because he didn't think that anyone would buy them because she was female. <gasps>
3: ah, but he's changed mm-hmm. since. Oh, has he? Good, yeah. good. I believe he's changed a... as in he's, he's woke now, or <laughs> no, he's, <laughs> changed, a different, he's changed a body and brain uh... into someone else.
4: Good. Um, Now, What is Hawkeye's new hairstyle?
1: He's got a big kind of, I don't know, uh, slicked back afro is the word I'd describe. Mm. Which, I know it doesn't make any sense. That's why they're hiding it. (laughs) Because it looks Mm. stupid. I believe there's a Pantene
3: sponsorship deal, which
1: is Mm. why
2: the
3: new haircuts are taken. Yeah, they're renaming Black Panther
2: to Black Pantene. Is it designed to distract (laughs) from
0: the dodgy CGI Thanos? Like, just look over here at my hair.
4: (laughs) Now, quite... A bit of Infinity War was filmed quite close to where we are. A little bit south of here at Durham Cathedral and a little bit north of here in the streets of Edinburgh. Did anybody spot any Edinburgh or Durham in the trailer?
2: I believe Durham is doubling for. Um, and the name escapes me. Where's Thor from? Asgard. Well, Asgard. Asgard, yeah. Ah. This is, I I believe, Durham Cathedral really? is, du- is doubling for Asgard. This is what I was told. I don't know if it's true. We'll We'll find out.
0: Superman Four famously, uh, had Milton Keynes doubling for Metropolis. Entirely inconvincidentally. That I can believe. Uh,
1: yeah, we can you, all see that. And <laughs> use
3: London Underground to pretend to be the New York t- yes. Tube, very unconvincingly to anyone who's been to New York. Yeah. Well, the Marvel Universe has got
4: form on the Tube as well. There's the moment in Thor The Dark World where... He gets on the tube, I think at Charing Cross, and it's a couple of stops to Greenwich.
1: That's which, not
4: true. <laughs> no, Greenwich doesn't have a tube stop, I don't think.
1: Um, it's where you get off for of the Millennium Dome. I yeah. um, can't remember name now.
4: But it's not three stops.
1: No. It is a long way there, yeah. You American.
2: see, I don't think American filmmakers understand the British obsession with public transport. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if they did, perhaps, I don't know, I'd watch more. Yeah. I'd, I'd watch yeah. more
3: American films. Mm. Cool did um we were talking about the sort of changes in looks for everyone did, does anyone like spider-man's suit i'm just really not convinced about it it's this weird sort of latexy bodysuity blingy thing
2: so i have opinions about spider-man's suit i guess this is the venue <laughs> i guess this is the venue to air them so um i w- I really liked the Civil War Spider-Man eyes. I thought it was a really clever way of doing the comic book eyes, which change shape Mm -hmm. to um, express emotion and give a reason for that. That Spider-Man suit was Stark tech and had like a Stark voice in it, doesn't feel quite right to me. It has happened in the comics in a very Mm -hmm. particular era, um, which was around the Civil War era of the comics. Now in that he got what, the fans referred to as the Iron Spidey suit, which mm-hmm. was a proper Stark Tech suit with like robotic, um, three robotic arms like sticking out the back. And I'm wondering if back. we're gonna see some of this in Infinity War and, and uh, the Avengers movie after it, whatever that ends up being named. And then we revert to a more homegrown Peter Parkery suit. But the suit with a kind of manager in it is a really annoying thing for Spider-Man mm-hmm. to have. Because particularly the younger teenage Spider-Man, the point is, he doesn't know what he's doing. He keeps getting it wrong. He certainly isn't managed. He gets into his own trouble and just about gets out of it. The classic sort of Peter Parker moment is forgetting the time, so missing tea with his, you know, Aunt May because he's saving the world. Not having <laughs> Siri, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a weaponized Siri guide him around. Uh, that said, I really like I really like Spider-Man in the MCU. I really like Tom Holland. I'm, I'm expecting good things. I don't think this suit will last, uh, but then I'm not sure what's going to last at the end of like uh, the, this era of Marvel films. Yeah,
4: it doesn't look like Vision is long for the world, with him having the stone oh, ripped out perfect. of his head. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, you mentioned the title of the second film. That's not going to be disclosed until this film is aired, because apparently it's a spoiler for what happens in... In this film and it yeah it does suggest quite a few of um, the characters we've got to know over the last 10 years are in some quite some peril and might not make it out mm, some true. of the
2: actors
0: are in contractual peril and, <laughs> and the
2: characters are undoubtedly <laughs> yeah. in
0: uh, in physical yeah. peril well, i thought it was interesting with in the trailer there was a lot of emphasis on doctor strange and black panther mm-hmm. so whether they're kind of positioning the new people who still have films with their contract to yeah. take over a little bit. It and,
3: seemed, um, I thought it, it kind of almost seemed weird when you saw Black Panther there. Because we haven't seen his film yet. Because it's so long until this movie's coming out. It's one of these weird overlapping it things. It feels
2: like we've seen a lot of
3: Black Panther though. You're like, yeah. I think his introduction
2: in Civil War is one of the best Marvel movie introductions. In yeah. like three scenes you understand the guy. Yeah. You meet his dad and his dad's cool. Mm. And we like his dad so we kind of like him. His dad dies, and when Black Widow says, we'll sort it out, he goes, no, no, I'll kill him myself. And it's a different mm. it's a different person, it's a different voice there. And I, I've
0: been really impressed with what I've seen of him mm. so far.
4: Yeah, I'm very excited for the Black Panther uh, solo I think, I
0: think the Black Panther movie is going to be their first not hit. I don't think it's going to no. do terribly, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's too close to the Avengers, so it's going to just get overlooked. Everybody's already hyping the Avengers up, and I, I was surprised when I looked at the release dates at the Black Panther film was out before, and only out about a couple of months before.
1: Do you not think that um, everyone who wants to go and see The Avengers wants to go and see Black Panther just for that extra bit of context?
0: I'm not sure he's that big a recognisable name. Well it's interesting
4: because everybody thought Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be the first Mm -hmm. one that went on a bit of a dip because it had nobody established in it at all. And it turned out to be one of the biggest hits. Yeah. I really hope Black Panther is the same. There,
0: there just doesn't seem to be a lot of hype or excitement around it compared mm. to sort of the other things that are coming out around the same time. I hope I'm wrong because I, I really liked him in Civil War. And the film looks great, but
2: they've they've not missed yet.
0: Marvel mm. haven't missed yet.
2: Even like Ant Man performed mm. surprisingly so we'd well. Want to
1: see, I don't think in the mm. trailer. No, he was, like he was very small. He was
2: very small. Yeah, he's actually in every <laughs> shot. <laughs> um, but, but yeah he's, he's all over that trailer uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. But we've got an Ant-Man film coming out I think in between Ant-Man and the Wasp yeah. is, is that due to come out in between Infinity War and number 4 the, the, the number I think four. it is yeah.
4: and then Captain Marvel after that which I believe introduces the Skrulls who from what oh. I've read will potentially completely change the dynamic even of the films we've already seen is that correct?
2: The scrolls are um, a big deal in the Marvel universe. They're historically associated with the Fantastic Four, and so it's there's always been some maneuvering between Fox and Marvel about who owns which properties. Mm. That the scrolls are being made a big deal of is, is quite an aggressive play on behalf of Marvel. Unless it's not, and Disney have bought Fox as we speak, which, which could, could, could have be happened.
0: happening as we speak. Yes. Now, uh,
2: the key feature of the scrolls is that they can change shape and resemble anyone. In Marvel Comics, there was uh, a very big plotline called uh, Secret Invasion, which featured, which revealed that Skrulls had been uh, imitating several key characters in the Marvel Universe for some time. Will Marvel go down this kind of Battlestar Galactica route? I don't think so, but I
1: could be wrong. Right. actually, Ian, you have, some, um, you have an analogy for the Marvel Universe, if I remember correctly.
2: Which is, the Marvel movies are like the artisan burger joint of movies. You're always getting a burger, you're always getting fries, sometimes there's different stuff with it, you know, Doctor Strange is a burger with like avocado, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it, but you're always getting a good burger. Now sometimes to put too much stuff on the plate, you get like Age of Ultron, and it's like there's pulled pork and some ribs, and you, quite, <laughs> you kind of lose the burger, you know, you don't quite get it. But they keep doing it well, you know what I mean? They're, they're not bad burgers. Like, DC have tried to emulate this burger for and aren't giving you good burgers. There's always meat in the Marvel movies, you know, you always go to them. Now, right now, I'm still ordering the burger. I'm quite happy to go back, but, you know, there's going to be one day where I'm like, you know what, I want fried chicken. And the Marvel movies will no longer do it. But right now, it's it's just working. It gives you what you want. It gives you a good burger with fries, different bits. So, you know, with your analogy,
3: what are DC serving? DC are
2: like the bigger chains that try and be as burger giants and fail. It's just not as good. It's, it's undercooked. It's overthought. There's combinations of, of problems with them. Mm-hmm. The DC movies are quite stunningly bad, really. I don't mind Man of Steel. Man of Steel, I thought was okay. People seem quite happy with many different versions of Batman, but like Superman needs to be exactly the same. And I'm, I'm not so sure about that. You know, I, I was quite happy with this different version of them. Suicide Squad is unwatchable. <laughs> I cannot tell you what that film's about. Batman versus Superman is close to being unwatchable. It goes on for far too long. There's a good story buried in that, which is Superman's turn-up, so all of a sudden there's a god on the planet, people are terrified, and then two of the smartest people in the world, Batman and Lex Luthor, try and take him on. There's a really solid little idea there that just devolves into this mess of stuff you can't quite understand Wonder Woman was a lot closer to the Marvel model I think in its humor its focus it, it wasn't overly ambitious it was it was quite um it, you know it was a good burger with good fries and uh, you know Amazonian relish it worked <laughs> I,
1: just, I, don't, I don't know what what changed because I just feel that with the recent DC movies it it feels like you know, the studio doesn't care that much about the characters. It's more about creating the um, the cross-universe. Whereas before, if you go back to like 2008 um, with the the Dark Knights, the studio was so concerned with the negative reaction that Heath Ledger's casting got for the Joker, that they did everything that they could um, to kind of, Prove that this is a it is a new take on the Joker, but you are going to enjoy it, and we deeply care about this character. You know they um, they launched this big viral campaign 15 months before the film came out, so you can either go on the Joker's team, you could defend um, uh, Harvey Dent, or you could be part of the Gotham's citizens unite uh, for, for Batman. Um, And they did things like, you know, at Comic-Con, they had these dollar bills that would have codes on them to be at a certain place at a certain time um, where you would then be in the right spot where a plane would go overhead and uh, spell out a number, which they would then call and then you're in the Joker's. Uh, in a circle and you would go on missions that he would set you and that whole kind of campaign just was all about making sure that the deep that the committed fans to the DC universe knew that it was in it was in good hands and you know that it worked because I think the Dark Knight set the record for the most advanced pre sales of all time and it's yes yeah, it's, it's still in top 10 for box office wise but I just feel that recently they care more about the special effects and um, creating this, trying to compete with Marvel rather than concentrating on getting their characters right.
2: It's
4: all Jared Leto's fault. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, oh. there's, been so many, there's been so many missteps. It, it really is... The Marvel movie's built and some of that is to do with book, some of it's to do with kind of an editorial control. There was, was clearly a vision. A number of filmmakers have been fired from, like, from Marvel films at various stages in production. A lot more have been in development, you know, at kind of script level that haven't come to anything, so there's definitely been a vision there. Mm. It's a hard thing to follow, I just don't think
0: either the editorial vision was there or something was there. It feels like they're rebounding too much to audience reaction. so Batman, Superman was too dark, so um, Justice League's gonna be full of jokes and a lot lighter and badly edited to. In response to test screenings, I think Suicide Squad as well was retooled, wasn't that? Suicide Squad,
2: mm. it, it, there's some there's some amazing kind of um, forensic journalism done on what that film was and how it changed. Uh, it was it started filming without a script, is what it boils down to. Um, and the script's the cheap bit, you know, like the script does take. It's like it's like making bread. Time's part of the process. You can't just like <laughs> throw words at the page and yep. then end up with a script. And uh, it was problematic. The weird thing about um, the DC movies is like, so there's not been that many directors. Like, you know, Zack Snyder was, has been the vision and certainly the stylistic kind of visionary that DC have followed. I'm not a big Snyder fan, but I mm-hmm. think that visually he's really interesting. He, he certainly can compose a shot. He certainly has... Uh he has a vision which he can put on the screen. David Ayer, who directed Suicide Squad, um also directed The Fury. The Fury is a great film. The Fury's it's Brad yeah.
1: Pitt, that one. Um yeah,
2: Brad Brad Pitt, um mm-hmm. John Bernthal in the is in yes, The Punisher that yeah. we'll be talking about later. But like it's it's a um if you think about Brian Singer, who we perhaps shouldn't right now, but, <laughs> yeah. but after the usual suspects, Brian Singer was um tasked to direct the X-Men, which launched kind of this current era of superhero films. He'd just done The Usual Suspects, which is this amazing ensemble film. He was given an ensemble film to do. I think that's a similar thing with David Ayer and Suicide Squad. There's many characters in The Fury. You're trying to follow the wall. They're in a group situation. They're trying to be themselves and succeed. He's a good fit um, on paper, but I don't think he was allowed to make the kind of film he wanted. Mm -hmm. And... It's
4: interesting because Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman, is one of those directors that Marvel fired. She was From... on board to do Thor 2. Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it didn't fit, but she actually is made probably, critically at least, the most successful DC. It on... is
2: financially the most successful. Is it? It doesn't have the biggest opening weekend, but it's taken the most dollars, which right. is mm, a good remarkable. Yeah. So have you
4: seen Justice League?
2: No.
1: Ah. <laughs> Has anyone
4: seen Justice League?
1: No,
2: I
4: I will. We, I, talk, what, we talked about this on episode one, and nobody had seen yeah. it then. Yeah,
1: it's like, oh, let's review Justice League. Oh, mm-hmm. but that means you have to go see it.
0: Oh, uh, I had a free <laughs> had a free evening the other week, and I was walking through town, and I thought, should I just pop in and see Justice League? Because it was near the cinema, and I just couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, had the same,
1: I had the same thing last weekend. I was uh, in town, drafting my parents off. I had a free couple of hours and I thought I should really go and watch uh, Justice League. Guess what I saw? Thor Lagnarok. Thor for the third time.
4: Kevin Feige <laughs> is paying all of us.
0: <laughs> so if um, Marvel's an nice artisan burger and DC's just like a chain burger, what was the Fantastic Four mover?
2: Um, the kind of burger you buy at about three in the morning. <laughs> i Or perhaps pick up from
4: the floor. Um, yeah. I'm a bit worried about the future of the X-Men burger. I, I, I haven't watched Legion, but I did see Apocalypse.
3: Legion doesn't really relate to it, Yeah,
4: And Apocalypse was very, very bad. I didn't like it oh. for many, many reasons that I won't get into, even if we keep this bit Um, But yeah, I didn't like Apocalypse for a lot of reasons, and they're still bashing on with it. They've got Phoenix coming out next year, I think, and Mm. I imagine they're planning all sorts of big screen, small screen offshoots. I think New Mutants is going to be a thing. Mm. There's all sorts of other X-universe things planned, Mm. but the last big X-Men film had worse, massive city destruction Mm. than any of the DC films. Literally millions of people must have been killed in the finale of Apocalypse and none of the heroes care Mm -hmm. at all. They just carry on as if nothing had happened. And you see several major cities reduced to rubble. That has loss of life on a catastrophic scale. And the heroes are just like, yeah, we've got to fight the big purple guy. Let's not save anyone.
0: Iver news I believe.
4: Iver news yeah. Mm. Um, which is a shame because you get Oscar Isaac in your film and you bury him behind all of that, mm. which I know is what Apocalypse is supposed to look like. Mm. Um, but I suppose that's your alternative to, to a CG Thanos. You put prosthetics on and you get that. There was also a scene set at Auschwitz, which is possibly, it's supposed to be, Magneto confronting his past and coming to terms with it, but you've got what I think is the most spectacularly tasteless thing in any mainstream movie for a very long time. This massive purple prosthetic Oscar Isaac, you've got Olivia Munn in the world's skimpiest costume, and Fassbender gurning away, tearing up the fabric of Auschwitz and crushing it all, and levelling it, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be a these horrible things that happen to you and your people, let's wipe them out. The reason Auschwitz has, or I assume one of the reasons Auschwitz has not been levelled is so that people remember what happened mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And they just took There's that and to went, deny. let's destroy it with CG. And it mm-hmm. made me want to shrink into my cinema seat and never think about it again. And... Luckily, Apocalypse didn't do that well, but I I will not be going to see another main X-Men film.
0: It's interesting because it's always been a part of Magneto's backstory, and I thought they dealt with it quite well and quite tastefully in the first X-Men mm-hmm. film. So it hasn't, though. Has it not? This, no. is an
2: int- this is an interesting thing. So there was various allusions to um, Magneto's past in the comics.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One, that um, uh, he was a Jewish survivor of World War II. But second, that he was um, a Romani traveller and they never really settled it was only after the film sort of solidified it that that became
0: oh, part of the uh, I always the assume that was journalism. always part of the the, the character it's...
2: story I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong if I'm wrong but I believe it was only in the films that it actually got formalized as being the case because comics are weird I mean comics just are weird that you get hundreds of writers writing characters over decades and various bits of history contradict each other You know, like there's various alternate pasts, but then one will stick, and that becomes part of that character moving forward. So I think it was quite nebulous for a long Mm. time before the films went right as this.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you, Dan the x-men universe has been very much tainted i think a lot of the blame lies at brett ratner's door who directed the last stand and has been kicked off uh due to the vastly inappropriate yeah. behavior he has yeah. been displaying x-men directors not really no. having the best no. time matthew vaughan yeah. is the only one who's
4: escaped unscathed yeah. i think Good. which is yeah
1: but one of my i think top three films of this year is going to be logan what they did with that is was marvellous and really sent uh, Logan off on a, in an appropriate way. And it, you know, They took a breath, they slowed down and they really made sure they got those characters right and gave them a fantastic um, send off. Yeah, yeah,
4: but what's, what's interesting is, a little bit like Jurassic Park, I got on the hype train for The Last Stand. I didn't really mind about changes in directors or things like that. I really liked the first X-Men. I really liked X2 and I was excited to see the third one and I watched it and I quite enjoyed it. I haven't watched it back for a very long time, but I didn't hate it as much as people generally did at the time. So um, I've been going into X-Men films with a positive attitude. I'm not going in mm. thinking this is going to be bad, uh, but Apocalypse let mm. me down. and. If they carry on the spin-off route and look, focus on individuals like Deadpool, like mm. Logan, I think that's probably the way to go, because another one with dozens of characters who we've already seen played by different actors, like they're doing with Phoenix, I, it just doesn't have an appeal to me.
2: Well, by the time this podcast comes out, Disney could have bought a great deal of fucks. And so they will, amongst other things, own the X Men, Fantastic mm. Four. I think they'll be them. Well, I think I think if Disney then, oh, own it, yeah, they'll, they'll it
0: because they can't. They 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 will want to put X Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and there's no way I don't think you could realistically put the continuity of the current X-Men films into really Marvel. not really have continuity in the current No.
4: <laughs> we're, we're edging closer to the world of that Patton Oswalt filibuster from Parks and Recreation, which mashes together Star Wars, the MCU, <laughs> and X-Men all together in one <laughs> massive thing.
2: Growing up reading comics, certainly... Marvel have done it since, but DC did it originally. Reboots and retcons mm-hmm. were just a big deal. I you know, All of a sudden, um, the whole universe would change. Like the, the line would be relaunched, different takes on different characters. It's interesting having reached an age in geekdom where the movies have to do that as well. Like We've got to the point where they're dealing with all this, the same continuity from as the comics did.
1: So that was um, two films we're very much looking forward to seeing um, next year. But the most highly anticipated film of 2017 is undoubtedly The Last Jedi, which we are about to go and see. So we're going to go over to our future selves. It is, uh, it's 3am oh. we're outside, it's about minus 5 degrees, it's very very cold, just seen The Last Jedi and wow
4: <laughs> yes, um, first thoughts uh, I loved it I had my hands clasped together in tense anticipation of what was going to happen next. That didn't let up for the entire film. My attention <laughs> never wavered. I laughed, I cried. I'm definitely going to have to see it again to take it all in properly, so I get a- the grip of what's going on. Overall, I loved it and I want to go to bed.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a roller coaster of emotions. I was like, you know, in my seat, just laughing the head off. And then next moment, actual tears. It so. was funny, wasn't it? It yeah, was how funny
0: it was in the first half, yeah. Yeah. Just,
1: uh, it's a lot of physical humour, a lot of very subtle yeah. physical humour. It's very and
3: good. The, and then the second half, lots of unsubtle physical humour, especially with the animals.
1: So, yeah, yes, yeah. the porgs. Yeah, yeah.
3: great. <laughs> I love a
0: porg. <laughs> <laughs> there was sort of a lot happened in it that I expected to happen in the last film. Yeah. I think. Um, I don't know how spoilery are we going?
1: Yeah, we're not going too spoilery, so yeah. uh, we're yeah. just going to do some initial reactions yeah. and then yeah. do a full-blown spoiler-heavy review.
4: And so we've got to wait two years to find out what happens next?
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my hands are physically shaking, I'm so cold. So. It's just the
4: joy of having seen a new Star Wars film. That's not the cold. Oh, it's
1: the adrenaline rush. It's the adrenaline yeah.
0: rush, the <laughs> So uh, we're all happy then?
1: Extremely, yeah,
0: extremely happy. <laughs> I think we'll head back to us in the past now is that how this works
1: Yeah,
0: back to, the, back to last Saturday back to
1: the past. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to try a brand new feature which we are calling film buff or film bluff so we're going to recite three pieces of movie trivia two of which are true, one of which is not. And the nerds among us, and of course yourselves at home, um, are welcome to try and guess which one is the bluff. So who would like to go first?
3: I will. <laughs> OK, um, my three pieces are related to Firefly, the just written series. Um, the first is that a box set of Firefly and the movie Serenity were taken up the space shuttle in 2007. The second fact is... Just Wedden hoped to persuade Kurt Russell to return to TV as Captain Mal Reynolds after a few lean years, but he declined due to getting a part in a Vanilla Sky. And that Serenity's engine room set includes the center console from a Boeing Seven Three Seven, in the same way that uh, Alien includes bits of um, Alien includes bits of aircraft in its set designs mm-hmm. as
1: well. There's something in the back of my mind, I think the third one's true.
3: So is one, one
4: of these far. false? One of these, yeah. these, false, one of yeah. these false Okay. I am going to say the Kurt Russell one is false because Vanilla Sky came out in two thousand and one, sometime before Firefly. Firefly came out in
1: two thousand four, I believe. 2003. In
0: advance. In advance.
1: Mm.
4: You wouldn't get Kurt Russell for your T V show five years before your series. So I'm saying that one's not true. Um, okay.
0: And also luring Kurt Russell back to TV. I don't remember him ever doing TV before. I was on TV, though. It, as, it as a child actor, but yeah. as an adult. Yeah. Well, that's why I said back. Yeah. And Elvis the Movie was a TV movie, wasn't it? Yes, also true. Directed John by Carpenter. John Carpenter. Yes.
2: I think all those pieces of information are true. <laughs> <laughs> and you're cheating. They all sound perfectly <laughs> oh, plausible yeah. to me.
1: It's Yeah, very, very good Please. Do you want to... Put, a, put us out of our misery?
3: It was the second one, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Right, it, <laughs> don't get the points for. Uh, the related fact to that, because it's always best to have something related to it, is that he was originally thinking Nicholas Brendan, who played Xander in Buffy, to play mm. Mal. Mm.
1: Uh, right, I'll go next. My um, my film facts aren't connected, um, but they're just three random ones from different movies, so you've got to try and guess which is the, the falsehood. Um, So the first one, we actually go back all the way to the 1920s, and it is October 1917, which is 10 days that shook the world. Um, More people were injured during the storming of the Winter Palace, which required 11,000 extras than the Bolsheviks' actual takeover of the palace. Second one is uh, from Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. So the moment when um, Liv Tyler's character Arwen um, says, "If you want him, come and claim him," and she draws out her sword on her horse, she actually accidentally stabs herself in the thigh. <laughs> and then the third one is um, during that famous ear removal scene in uh, *Reservoir Dogs*. Um, it was it, you know, uh, Michael Madsen went over and played the sounds of the '70s, and he danced along to it. It's stuck in the middle with you in the uh, in the final film but originally when they recorded it it was actually um, the Bee Gees staying alive and they've just kind of dug it. <laughs> and, uh... That's got to be bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be.
0: I really does want it, tarant- it to be true. Does it feel
3: Tarantino enough staying alive? Mm-hmm. He prefers slightly obscure and therefore cooler. He
2: does like obscure songs but he also likes kind of really, really bad, obvious metaphors yeah. in
0: his songs. I just he got visions of Michael Madden's arm going up and down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: he's, he's a director that knows exactly what he wants and I don't think he would change his mm. mind on things like music. He seems quite particular in his soundtrack.
3: Oh, well, no, that's not true though because quite often you can't get the rights for the thing you want. Yeah. So you it's a first film as well so he's not,
0: he's not the Quentin Tarantino he is now where he would be able mm. to presumably get in a ride.
4: However, and this might spoil the trivia a little bit, I did read a feature on the making of Reservoir Dogs that does give me the answer to this question.
0: Oh right, okay that that is uh, out well, you're So a, please to... edit yeah. out that, my phase, my phase bit. you out. <laughs> the Bolshevik Revolution I, I believe the... that one. That, I, certainly
3: I've heard that there's this very similar film fact. It might be a different movie but I've mm. certainly heard well, The
0: Bolshevik Revolution was quite bloodless, wasn't it? So I would imagine they wouldn't take that many people to be injured. Yeah, the,
4: I think the initial revolution in February 1917 and the provisional government months before the Bolsheviks took over the provisional government yeah, they... was the violent one. Yeah. Mm. This is surprisingly okay. educational. I'm a history nerd so too. His... <laughs> <laughs> we have
0: question one again? So we uh, have this specific...
1: You can. So the film's called October nineteen seventeen, which is ten days that shook the world. And the fact is, uh, more people were injured during the storming of the Winter Palace, which required eleven thousand extras, than the actual Bolsheviks' takeover of the palace.
3: And was injured rather than killed.
0: Yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I believe that. I don't believe Michael Madsen sang stayed alive. Oh, what was the middle one?
1: So this was the uh, Liv Tyler stabbing herself in the thigh. When she said that famous line,
2: sounds like something
0: she'd do. <laughs> <laughs> can we have a? Can we edit in a quote? Can we edit in the actual line from the film? Yeah, because I want to know if it's at the end she just goes like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In which case, that would because probably, they should, be true. they would have yeah. left that in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you want him, come and claim him.
0: I believe she did do that, but then they dubbed over staying alive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we think. I think we're fairly unanimous. Well.
1: It's Peter doesn't alive. think so. Peter, so are which, you... which one do you think is the
3: falsehood? Uh, no, actually, I think the last one's the falsehood.
1: Yeah, you're good at this. I made that up. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Can I reveal now that in the feature I read, Tarantino made a point of, it had to be that song, <laughs> and they had to get the rights to it. Mm. Otherwise, the film would not work if they did not have that song. Mm. So they had to work really, really hard and persuade the recording artist Rafferty, to, yeah. to give the rights, I believe. Well, Steeler's
3: Wheel is the band, but it's Jerry Rafferty's. Yeah,
4: um, I might have got that story a little bit wrong, but I think, I believe Tarantino was insistent that it could be no other song.
0: It must be odd now to have, I mean, Jerry Rafferty's dead now, isn't he? But um, to have a song that you wrote just so completely entwined and only known for that film, you, you can't listen to Stuck in the Middle with You without thinking of... Of yeah. that bit no. of Would dogs. it be played much
3: now if it wasn't for that
0: film? Maybe not. And I, don't I don't think, think that it's really. Baker Street is still yeah. here, but
4: so, this, is, here that one, this so. is a problem that musicians have had for a long time because now the composer Wagner—you think of how much the Nazis liked his music—but mm. it was around for decades mm. before all of that. But now you can't disassociate it from its implications. And I think Stephen Fry did a whole documentary mm. trying to explain. Fagner in a non-Nazi contest context and try and almost reclaim it from that corruption of the music. Apocalypse
3: Now perhaps did its best to mm. give you a different yeah. image for the Roman Valkyries. Yeah.
2: I must admit, every time I hear uh, stuck in the middle with you, I do have to cut off someone's ear. That
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's just me. Well, there are more
3: modern songs we have to cut off both areas <laughs> when
0: we're Heyo. Um, okay. I, I don't have a film buff before film bluff, but I have a question. Um, whose email address is chunkylover53 at aol.com? Is it you? It is not me, um... Chunkylover53.
2: Is it a famous person?
0: It is a, it is a famous person from oh, film or TV. Are we to imply that the person themselves love, loves chunky things? Or that Just they are out. chunky? They are, <laughs> chunky. And they are very affectionate. You can, affectionate. Uh, you, you can uh, you apply it whichever way you like. Give us a clue. Uh, it's, a, it's a TV show. Um, and it was used... Yes, it was used in an episode of the TV show, and afterwards... Is it Ron
1: Swanson? It is
0: not Ron Swanson, Is it The West Wing? It's not The West Wing. (laughs) Um, They they put the email address in the TV show, and hundreds of people emailed the address, and for several months afterwards, one of the writers of the TV show replied to everybody (laughs) in character character until it became too much. Um... Is it to do with The Simpsons? It is, yes. Comic book guy? Yeah. It's uh, Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson's email address is ChunkyLover53 at AOL.com. I
2: think the AOL.com uh, just makes, makes that it, yes. perfectly.
0: Uh-huh. But, uh... An interesting Homer Simpson fact, Homer Simpson is the only character to have a line of dialogue in every episode of The Simpsons. Oh, well I know then.
1: Right.
4: I have a film buff or film bluff okay.
1: question to you. Good.
4: Here are three facts about wrestlers in TV <laughs> and film.
1: Okay.
4: One. Is incorrect. So, Brett the Hitman Heart is the only wrestler to have made a cameo on an episode of The Simpsons. The wrestler Kevin Nash appears in one of the Thomas Jane Punisher films. And Dave Batista's grand rival, Randy Orton, has a cameo in Nowhere in Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: I think there's been more than one wrestler in The Simpsons.
0: I think Rowdy Roddy Piper might have been yeah. on The Simpsons. I know Brett the Hitman Hart was in The Simpsons. Yeah, because he bought Mr. Burns' house, didn't he? When Mr. When Mr. Burns <laughs> lost his money, um, <laughs> he sold his house to Brett the Hitman Hart, who very cruelly chucked him out and destroyed all his possessions. So we're cool with that one. So um, we're cool with Brett the Hitman Heart definitely was on The Simpsons, but the question was... The was only, he the only, only wrestler mm, that would I mean, been on it The Simpsons? Feels like, mm. like Hulk Hogan should have
3: been, doesn't it? Do you mean like the only re- uh, wrestler to actually play
1: the role or To was, play themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so a wrestler could have played another character on The Simpsons?
4: Potentially.
1: Yeah.
0: Because I, I think wrestlers have been on The Simpsons but potentially mm. playing characters wrestler stroke actors. So what
4: were the other two? The other two were the wrestler Kevin Nash was in one of the Thomas Jane Punisher films and...
3: My, my quiz rules reason for rejecting that one is, I've never heard of him, therefore why would it be a fact? <laughs> <They've> <laughs> not, I, I, I've I not seeing this I, good I, logic, I have, this how is of you? <laughs> I have heard of
0: him, he has done acting roles.
4: He played Super Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja okay. Turtles 2. <laughs> But, and was in the vid, uh, the film adaptation of Dead or Alive, the video game. Oh, okay. I a... <laughs> Which I have seen. A <clears throat> fine and more body of work.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> I would have put in more Dolph Lundgren Punisher era. Mm. There was at least one very big
2: man in Thomas <laughs> J. <Jeremy> Punisher, <laughs> who could conceivably be a wrestler. No, he's not big, he's not, he's lithe. He not? He's is lithe it, and wiry. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go A. I'm, I'm going to go yeah. on. Number C
0: again, so that's number number C, C. Um, <laughs> C.
4: Number C was Dave Bautista's grand rival, Randy Orton, made a cameo in Nowhere in Guardians of the Galaxy. Dave Bautista being Drax yes. Yes. in the film. Yeah.
0: Dave Bautista also was brilliant in Blade Runner, just on a completely random, day, Blade mm-hmm. Runner 2049, his little role at the beginning. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to go number A.
2: Number
4: A also. I'm gonna go for letter one. Uh, The untrue one is number C. Randy Orton is not in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Bret Hart is the only wrestler to have played himself in The Simpsons. Rowdy Roddy Piper is referenced Mm. in the episode topically where Homer is accused of sexual harassment. keeper Willie is called Rowdy Roddy Piper. so there are references to it. There's that even a, it followed, a more recent episode where Grandpa has been a wrestler in his past. <laughs> and,
0: they should let it die, shouldn't they?
4: And uh, Bart forms a tag team with him and Mr Burns funds it or something like that. But <laughs> um, yeah, for the number of guest stars they've had, Bret Hart has pretty much been it for wrestlers huh? playing themselves. Hulk Hogan's never been in it. Um, a lot of the most famous wrestlers from that period where it was really big was late eighties, early nineties before The Simpsons really mm-hmm. got into guest stars. So I think that could be why. And Kevin Nash was in Punisher in one of the Thomas Jane's one Jane ones. There was
2: only one Thomas Jane Punisher. There we are. He was in that one. Yes. He's What's seven Kevin... foot tall and he has long hair. He was playing I believe... Oh, I don't know. This could be wrong. I believe he's playing the Russian. I believe he's playing yes, a, he is. Uh, a kind yeah. of Russian sailor hitman and guy. Actually, does he have short hair in that? I think he does. He wears yeah. a
0: sailor outfit. He because, beats people up in a... Was Kevin yeah. Nash in Magic Mike as an old stripper. Kevin Nash
4: was in Magic Mike yeah. and was actually quite good in it. He's <laughs> He's got very good comic timing yeah. um, in a lot of his film appearances. Maybe not in The Punisher. Um, but he... Side trivia he lost a hair versus hair wrestling match where if you lose you get your hair shaved off. He had really long blonde locks. He had it cut off so he could go and be in the Punisher with short hair. (laughs) Because if you have long hair as a wrestler and you go off to do something else where you need short hair, you can Make money off having your hair cut off on TV. We have quite it's a, a thing,
2: quite a hair themed episode. I think haircuts yeah. have come up in the. Haircuts and nasty. So I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm, I'm afraid, afraid I'm not following the rules, but I do have a question okay. for you. Okay. Uh, the character Bruce Willis plays in Die Hard Two. Who was the first actor to play this character?
3: I'm- Think I know. Oh, hang on. Die Hard Two. It's the the bit about Die Hard Two is the weird part with that because yeah. I know that Die Hard is a sequel to a movie that Frank Sinatra was in. That he then had the option. He had to be asked, even though he's stupidly old, to play the part at the time that Die Hard was made. Um, but he, in his contract for the original movie, had the option to be asked on the on the just, for when Die Hard was made. But you know, said yeah. Die Hard Two, mm. which I know, is, I know wasn't it wasn't written as a Die Hard movie. It was written as something else.
2: I, I was throwing deliberate shade into the mix. It or was actually Frank Sinatra. Ah. So um, yeah, he's not called John McLean. He's called John something else. But and he is a um, in the original book, it's a very retired policeman, John McLean, that goes to the uh, worst office Christmas party ever. And it is his daughter who he's trying to rescue. And it was then yeah. retooled for Bruce Willis. Um, so is that
0: a book a se- is the book a sequel to another book? The, another yeah, the, book that was filmed with Frank Sinatra. With
2: Frank Sinatra, yes. So Frank Sinatra is the original John McClane.
1: I was going to say, don't talk too much about Die Hard 2 because we're going to have a shameful gap being filled by John who has never seen Die Hard 2. Uh, okay, shame. Shame.
0: Shame. 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 I may. I, I. feel I may have seen bits of Die Hard 2 flicking through ITV4 that were in the morning.
1: But you've seen him with a vengeance.
0: I've seen him with a vengeance. Um, I've seen the first one. Yeah. I've seen the fourth one, but I've never seen the second one. I know it's on a plane,
1: mm-hmm.
0: in an airport, and yeah. that's pretty much all I all I know. But I I have the box set, but I've never <laughs> never. Keep
2: your eyes peeled for an interesting
0: geek cameo. Ooh. interesting. <laughs> Am I right that Die Hard Four is the first? Die Hard film that's not 4. a retooling 8. of something else?
3: Uh, no, that's based on a magazine article. Is it? Really? Yeah. yeah, which told you, which hypothesised how it was possible to shut down the financial industry.
0: Ah.
1: Because
0: mm. I heard Die Hard 3, and this may be wrong, but looking at it, it makes sense that Die Hard 3 was uh, originally a lethal weapon film, or was it originally written with the intention of it being a lethal, lethal weapon sequel and then was retooled as a Die Hard sequel. Mm. And Die Hard and Die Hard 2 are based on Completely unrelated novels.
4: Are we ignoring the fifth one?
0: The fifth one lives with Indiana Jones four in a powerful <laughs> universe that does not exist. <laughs> I will. Looking forward to having my shameful gap filled by John McClade.
1: Art all, yes. <laughs>
0: Yippee ki yay! eh. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, I have a quiz question as well. So Harrison Ford. Samuel L. Jackson and James Earl Jones are obviously all part of the Star Wars universe in different films, but they did all star together in the same film in the 1990s. Can anyone name that film?
0: I think that's a no. <laughs> Working Girls somewhere weird. House and Falls, Samuel L. Jackson, who's the other one?
1: James Earl James James L. Jones. Is it an animated film? It is not, no.
3: Is Harrison Ford the star? Yeah. Is it, is it a comedy or a drama? It's an
1: action film. Action drama.
0: Is it the um, Air Force One?
3: Nope. No. We could just
2: name Harrison Ford. <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> <the> name nineteen <laughs> nineties uh, Harrison my plan? Ford films? Yeah.
0: Mm. Medicine Man? Um is it one of the Jack Ryan ones? It is. So Patriot Games. Patriot Games, yes. Oh, well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so obviously Harrison Ford plays uh, Jack Ryan and uh, Samuel Jackson, James Earl Jones both play uh, police officers. And I just watched that the other day again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, that is it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I've had a lot of fun. Everyone else has, right? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. More fun than the Infinity War trailer.
1: And that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of
4: fun. Lots <laughs> more
0: fun than the Jurassic Park trailer. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, please do get involved. We're on Twitter and Facebook, NerdFest UK. Give us a follow, a like, or uh, let us know what you'd like us to discuss in future episodes.
4: Please rate and review this
0: podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Unless you didn't enjoy in which case, don't rate and review this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, So all that is left to say is thank you and goodbye. And you have been listening to...
3: Uh, I'm Ian Mayer. I'm Dan Watkins. I'm Peter Johnson. I'm John Farben.
1: And I'm Hazel Burton. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time.
0: Bye! Bye! Hold on to your butts.